Yo, welcome to Hype Geek, the podcast where we tell you about esports in a really digestible way. Today we're going to talk about some crazy things going on in the Overwatch world. We're going to talk about Riot Games' new partnership. Pretty exciting stuff. We're also going to talk about uh, the top Twitch channels this year compared to last year. There's going to be some interesting names on that list. Um, We're also going to talk about Fortnite and what people at different tech blogs think is the cultural impact um you know some interesting sponsorships as well drinks and apparel and then uh we're gonna dig into esports's first ipo my name is rustin uh i'm the ceo and one of the co-founders of e-coliseum and i'm joined here by ka who is our cmo and other co-founder um why don't you tell them a little bit about us and the purpose behind hypekeep before we dive into all the topics yeah i think to let you guys know, this is esports in Ireland and how we view esports and the different topics that can be talked about. Um, there's a ton of different ranges and in, in anywhere from the business side to the actual gameplay um, to the esports stars that are being recognized as today. Uh, we want to put light on everything that we think is important in the esports industry and how it impacts everyone outside of the industry as well. Yeah, definitely bridging the gap because um, there's a lot of blab that happens a lot of stuff that just gets thrown out there so we pick apart the parts that we know are the most significant news in the industry and just give uh, our perspective um and really sift through all the stuff that's out there so we're going to start with the ellie overwatch league crisis so for those of you that don't know what the overwatch league is it's basically a league that was created uh this past year um by Activision and Blizzard who created a game called Overwatch. Overwatch is like a team-based shooter. I would kind of compare it to basketball just in the fact that there are five people on each team, but that's about it. Um, And so what's really interesting about that community is that they're really toxic. Um, It's like a the game is so competitive that people get really emotionally invested into it. Um, And so they take things very personally. So with a community like that, a crisis like this is really interesting. Um, basically, oh, yeah. what was the crisis? Yeah, so so the crisis is, is centered around this player named Ellie. Uh, Ellie was a female professional Overwatch League player. She got picked up by a team uh, fairly quickly. Um, and so then people in the community, they take this game very personally and seriously. They thought, wait, this is really weird that this girl got picked up so quickly by a pro team. Her account has only been around for a couple months. So naturally, they decided, like a normal human being would do, to dox her, which basically means go and grab all her personal information that they can find online and release it on the internet, mm-hmm. which obviously isn't normal. Yeah. Um, but through that process, they actually found out that it was a guy posing as a girl. Really? Mm-hmm. So she didn't come, or he didn't come forth and say, this is a troll thing. I'm actually a dude. I was just testing you guys. Like someone actually caught him saying like, wow, this actually isn't a girl. So basically like there are messaging conversations between him posing as Ellie, like confiding in other people saying like, I'm just running a social experiment to show how like fucked up the community is or, or just in general to show like how the media can spin things. And he wanted to see how far he could get with like a really good girl gamer. So is this guy actually a pro gamer if he's good enough to get the attention of all these other pros or he's just someone really good and just wasting his talents on trolling? Uh, It's the second one, which is so crazy because it's like, if he's that good... Yeah, or maybe because he 
appealed as a girl, he got more attention like that. Right. And so that that's what's so interesting about this whole crisis is like, it just really, it was like a social experiment. It was. He showed how like so many different people in the community responded to this in such a bad way. Like all the stakeholders, right? You have the pro team that's eager to sign a pro uh, girl gamer for the press. So they don't even look into it. They just sign them. Then you have the community and how they responded immediately by trying to dox this person. And then lastly, the perpetrator himself, where he thought that it was okay to like act like he was a girl gamer. Yes, it kind of says something about the culture in which, I mean, everyone knows that gaming is is primarily like an interest for the male gender just because of the majority demographic, probably like only 30% of girls are in esports, or like, sorry, the demographic of esports is 30% female. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I think that's what mm-hmm. it is. Um, and, and even with, with 30%, that seems like a pretty decent number, but you never see rise or any attention to, to any of them, really. There's no big female teams. There's only a couple big female streamers. And even when they have an all-girl team, you know, sometimes it's like a marketing stunt where mm-hmm. they'll sign the whole team and then you'll never hear about it. Exactly, exactly. So it just shows the culture in which, you know, people are definitely trying to be more progressive in, in bringing light to female gamers, and I respect everyone that does that. But it's just, it's still so hard at this point in time where there's a very big standstill in like how to progress it. Like how do you turn such a, I guess, quote unquote, toxic community into something that's more acceptable? Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll actually cover that with the topic of Fortnite. But what I wanted to kind of go into a little bit is like the fact that, um, you know, this whole like crisis, what are the implications that it has on the future? For girl mm-hmm. gamers, right? Because yeah. now there's always going to be this like looming thought: Is it actually a woman playing on the account? Yeah, um, which you would never experience with traditional sports. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to see like the yeah. different things that we face as barriers. Yeah, because it is again just <clears throat> just an avatar. So unless people do the due diligence, which could have definitely been handled in a better way, rather than just exposing this person. Yeah, um, the, I think once it does happen, where girls are a lot more accepted in this space then that question will sort of die down where it's just like okay i'm not too sure if this is a girl gamer because like anyone that's good as a girl like you're gonna make sure like does she have a face cam she's streaming like is she doing all this stuff because it's just a very questionable unseen site but as the years grow forward and people are more accepting understanding that you know a lot of these girls actually really good at the game because like there's so many different twitch streamers who are female that aren't getting the attention they need when they're actually like really decent at the game um, and they are growing. I don't know if it's because it's a kind of a rare sighting or if they're actually good at the game. I haven't watched long enough. But what are your thoughts on that? Like female streamers, there's there's so much, I guess, I wouldn't say controversy, but it does lead to intention of like, what is their clickbait? Are they getting views right. for, for their image or their gameplay right, right. or their entertainment value? Good time. Um, and they get harassed either way. Yeah, you know? it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and it's partial. It's like almost primarily driven by like the fact that the industry and the like gaming in general is a male driven structure. Yeah. So like they view everything as like outside yeah. coming in. Plus it's, it's the anonymity of Twitch. You yeah. know, you could, you could hide behind your screen as a 12 year old and just say these disgusting things to these right. girls. And just you're never, you're no never get caught, you know? Yeah. But, like, there is a whole community of streamers that people refer to as, like, titty streamers. Titty streamers, yeah. Right? So, it's basically, like, girls wear, like, low-cut tops or, like, they do, like, things that show off their body on camera. Mm-hmm. Which, like, it's fine. If they accept it they're and they're okay with it, that's cool. 
But like when they're flaunting it and they're trying to show that, no, this is not because of like the donation, the donations I'm getting are not a result of me. Like, you know, saying like, I'll take my shirt off if you donate money. Yeah. You know, it's because like my gameplay is good. Yeah. It's like, well, there's a little bit of disconnect there. Yeah. You know, I, I just, there's, there's girls that truly do embody that and like, you know, this is what I'm doing because like it does get me views. Valkyrie is the perfect example of a girl streamer who's good at the game. Yeah. People like her because, because of, of her personality. personality. And she did that very purposely too. She yep. always wears sweaters on streams. Yep. When she came to our pop-up event, she like wore only sweats, you know. Yeah. She, she was like very protective in terms of like showing people like I'm not – I'm not where I am today because I'm a girl and I got these old tensions, but because of my entertainment value and my gameplay and all this stuff outside of people's uh, objectifying her as like a female gamer. Yeah. Um, but that, that reminds me of that, that Keemstar video. Did, did I link that to you? No. What is um, it? it was so funny. He like, he retweeted. Wait, and wait said, first of all, who's Keemstar? So Keemstar is a popular YouTuber uh, that goes by drama alert. He's, He's basically like entertainment tonight. Entertainment tonight. He just like, yeah. For, for, for YouTube, yeah. uh, primarily gaming stuff as well. I think he started off doing Call of Duty drama, um, but but yeah. So he he I think he retweeted this video, this clip of this girl streamer. She was a quote unquote t- titty streamer, and I think someone donated to her on a stream asking um, asking her like if she's like ashamed to be a titty streamer, like why are you doing this? You're just like showing your tits or whatever. And then she literally just full out was just like very casually without she didn't skip a beat. She was just like. Like, I just know where I, like, my place in society. And I, like, she literally just completely, she was just like, no oh, shame. I've never seen this. No, yeah, no yeah. shame at all. Yeah. She was like, I know my place in society. I know this is what gets views, blah, blah, blah. She started going off and like, she was just so she like. She just flipped it yeah, on the yeah. dude. Yeah. So like, there's, there's people like that, which is like, all respect to them. Like, power to you. Like, if that's what you want to do, go for that. You know, right. uh, it is subject to harassment. It is an excuse for, it is not an excuse for guys to do that. It's still super fucked up. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like they know what they're getting into. Right. That's the case yeah. of like being a minority. Yeah. Right. It's, it, there's always going to be things that you have to do more yeah. to prove than yeah, yeah. people who are in the majority. Yeah. Like, don't get us wrong. I still think it's like super fucked up that guys will even think that they have a right to because these girls are showing their body on stream. Like, that's not the point. Like, that's not that shouldn't be done. The only Just, thing the only thing I don't like, I think, is that when girls are very subtle with their like, like when girls like, oh, thanks for the donation. I'm going to turn around and go like to this whiteboard and write your name and show my short, short ass. It's like, like at that point, it's just like, come on, like you, you can do things to definitely prevent that. Right. But at the same time, it goes back to argument of like, even if they're doing that, you can't be saying shit like that. Right. Right. Yeah, but it, it's, it's like an online community. You, you're, you're putting yourself in a shitty situation in case in, for those to happen. Cause we know how toxic gamers would be. Oh, I mean, yeah, and, uh, but this is like a parallel across so many platforms. Mm-hmm. Just look at Instagram, scroll through the comments of an Instagram model. And you're just going to be like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, the, things that people are commenting like yeah. and then you click on the guy's profile it's like a 35 year old dude selfies with him and his daughter yeah. it's like what yeah, is yeah. going on it's it's but, a yeah it's I mean, we've kind of like dug deep yeah it's super touchy topic we don't mean to offend any female <laughs> gamers anything like that i think we're just putting light in terms of the culture where it is at today where yeah. the nature of a yeah, majority and, versus minority and, system and just just being on the internet is just a very scary place so if you're a female gamer keep doing you do whatever you think will be best for your for your entertainment for your viewers do what you love to do um i guess like the haters are just going to be there like regardless you know and you just got to power through that but uh yeah i think i think we should move on from that topic yeah we develop more haters on our our own no 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 we're just i've been very careful with my words yeah because it's it's a very touchy argument for sure um well now let's go into some business topics so riot signed a partnership um 
for the upcoming LCS season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty big one. They signed Alienware. So Alienware is a PC brand. Um, it's it's like the comparable would be like Nike, right? In terms of like the brand that they've built. The brand and, presence in the industry. And the equipment mm-hmm. that they provide. So, and they're partnering with like the League of Legends, which is like the equivalent of NFL in the US, right? It's one of the most popular esports. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty like grouping of titans and they're providing all the monitors all the computers and then get this they're also doing like you know little vip activations at the events like you know like the stuff that you see at like a football game where it's like you know at halftime they're like blah 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 seated in seat this and that you won our lottery and it's like power bailing or whatever like stuff like that yeah so it's cool to see that like a computer brand for a a virtual sport that people go to a stadium to watch is providing the exact same experiences that you would get if you Mm -hmm. go to like a traditional sports match. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously they pay top fucking dollar for this. Like mad money. Uh, Alienware was also a sponsor of our pop-up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of, I think it, I guess it's not really a surprise though. Would you say? Like, Anwar mm-hmm. being, like, the top company for... Just made sense. Yeah, and Riot being one of the top companies as a yeah. publisher. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of just a match made in heaven. I think they've already worked together and it just made it more official. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like... Oh, partners- we should make clear that it's not just the North American League. It's mm-hmm. in Europe. It's going to mm-hmm. be... Literally, they're the gotcha. glo- a global sponsor. Gotcha. Top dollar. And, like, in terms of expansion, rather than just physical expansion, where do you think Alienware can move next into... Other than just like the product sponsors, I'm, sure, I'm assuming it's the cash and product. What else do you think they could do to innovate the space a little more? Well, I will just say that they're not like the products that they're making. They have like three products, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and it looks the same. What are, what are they? Well, it's like they have a laptop, they have a desktop, and then they have a monitor. The monitor is cool. I've seen the monitor, mm-hmm. but it. I just feel like okay, like let's get a refresh. Let's get some new designs. I'm really interested in like Alienware kind of taking the helm and kind mm-hmm. of doing like a lifestyle, like like how Nike creates like all these crazy advertisements connecting so many different worlds together. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Alienware did that because they have the firepower to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And they have the ability to make really cool products, but they've slimmed down their product line. And I think partially the reason that that has happened is because they're owned by Dell. Mm-hmm. So they can't be like this amazing brand because yeah. they're the child of a parent company and the parent company tells them what to do, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame, but still they're making bank. Yeah. Should we move on to uh, 2018 most viewed Twitch channels? Yes, go for it. So this is a really cool uh, infographic. Basically, um, it shows like the growth in a couple different Twitch channels from 2017 to 2018. Um, the main thing to note is that, like, in 2017, there were really only two games that were super popular among streamers. It was Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is the game that Fortnite partially ripped off the Battle Royale concept from, uh, and League of Legends. And so <clears throat> the top channel for 2017 was Summit, and he had 60 million hours watched. Jesus Christ. Now you compare that to Ninja, who's the top channel watched in 2018. Ninja had 243.1 million. That's like absurd. But if you go down the list of hours,
hours watched among the top five channels in 2018 compared to 2017, it's like five times it, per category. It's crazy. So the platform just exploded in 2018. Um, the reason I think that is, is because, you know, they're, like I said before, there was PUBG, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, and League of Legends being streamed in 2017. Mm-hmm. 2018, Fortnite was brought into the mix, Overwatch was brought into the mix, and World of Warcraft was brought into the mm-hmm. mix. Not to mention, you know, how esports kind of really crossed over in 2018. Yeah. Um, but just to show, like, growth among one channel to the ne- to the next year. So Riot Games' channel had 42 million hours watched. In 2018, they had 104 million. So that's a big jump. Yeah, so t- my question is, do you think that... So let's say we isolate Riot Games 2017 and Riot Games 2018. Both the same game. The game didn't change that much. Do you think their increase in numbers could be due to the fact that esports got a bigger eye because of Fortnite? So say Ninja came to the play, they introduced a ton of people into what this platform means and kind of promotes esports, and now people are like, I'm going to watch League of Legends more often and brings the numbers up. 100%. I'll kind of like give an example that just partially happened to me. Like I didn't really watch League before just because I don't play League that often. But through the process of getting into esports, following a, like a professional, uh, or watching like the growth of 100 Thieves, which is an esports team, um, throughout the year, and they own a, a League of Legends team. They have investors like Drake, Scooter Braun. It's run by this guy called Nade Shot, who used to be a professional cop player. So like, imagine you're me. You get indoctrinated into the 100 Thieves ecosystem. You're a fan, right? You don't really watch League of Legends, but come like the... LCS spring split or was it the summer the summer split which is like the end of the League of Legends championship season you go on Twitch and you watch this because you're like oh shit like 100 Thieves is in the semifinals I want to watch this so me someone who hasn't watched League but because I've been exposed to the entirety of the esports ecosystem I went and watched League so I'm like partially one of the people that has contributed to this growth if that makes sense yeah so you you would say that the big players in this game, like metaphor- metaphorically saying, like the, the players in this ecosystem, the big ones would be the organizations, not just the publishers themselves, that would influence the view time, the money made, revenue, and all that stuff. Yes, right? very good point. And I would argue the talent even have more power yeah. than that. Because if you look at this list of like top channels, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all streamers except for Riot, who is a publisher, yeah, um, and the Overwatch League. But mm-hmm. That is, that is an interesting thing to note. It's like, one, that there is a tried and true proof that the newer viewers come into the space and then they just get indoctrinated into really, like, watching all these other games. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, the fact that, like, the majority of these people that are at the top of the list are personalities. So a lot of this is driven by human-to-human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to cover, like, the, the, the peak concurrence? Because that's really interesting. Peak concurrent viewers. So obviously Ninja hit number one with 614. I'm assuming you're in the Drake stream. 614,000 600, viewers. Oh, 614. I concurrent read. live viewers. Yeah. The that's, and that was definitely from the Drake. Um, yeah, it was from the Drake. It's a world Drake record, by the way. Yeah. Um, and his average is 69.8, which I thought was higher, but I think it kind of evened out because I remember after the whole Drake thing, um, it, was, it was during the summer, he was hitting like 100 daily. Yeah. Like 100. I was like, wow, he's just averaging 100. But... I think when the school year started, 
and <laughs> the hype started to die down a little bit. It just evened out at 69.8 thousand current viewers as an average, which still is obviously really, really good. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if you look at the second place with Riot Games, it's only the their peak is only 70,000. So, like, not even close in comparison. Right. And that's probably during the championships, right? Well, that was from 2017. But in 2018, their peak was 570. Oh, which, I'm blind, man. It's okay. Which, I thought I thought that was a dollar sign, but it was 570. So they had 570,000 in 2018. Oof. And that's, again, proof that, like, okay, in 2017, they had 70. They, they peaked at 484. Mm-hmm. So you compare the 484 to the 570, like, 90 more 90,000 people that weren't watching league last year watched mm-hmm. it this year mm-hmm. and it could be because of this whole wave of new viewers yeah it's just yeah a rising tide just lifts all boats yeah, yeah that's really, that's really what it all is it, it it's great to see though where it it feels more like a community that way where you're not just because we always like to say that in esports, there's there's pretty much multiple sports, right? There's Fortnite, which is a different sport. There's League of Legends, a different sport. There's Overwatch, a different sport. Um, but like when you when you compare it to traditional sports, you don't see like the increase in soccer viewership benefit the increase in football viewership or or baseball viewership. Um, but to see that, especially in a new industry like this, that Fortnite is is willing or not willing is able to lift everything up. Is, is a really good thing to see. It means that like everyone's connected in some sort of way, yeah. and it's not just a competition between games. Right, yeah. and that leads into our next topic of like, well, you know, this article describes how Fortnite brought a lot of people into the ecosystem, mm-hmm. but the main thing that they really wanted to show was that like, if you compare Fortnite and Overwatch, both games that like really took off in 2018, mm-hmm. the type of fan bases that they had, like we mentioned earlier, Overwatch had a toxic fan base, but you compare mm-hmm. that to Fortnite, Oh yeah, the Fortnite's pe- really nice, right? Yeah. The because Fortnite brought in like a Overwatch just brought in more of the same gamers, right? Yeah. Just to a different platform. Yeah. But Fortnite brought people in who wouldn't traditionally consider themselves hardcore gamers, mm-hmm. and those people have more diverse opinions on the world mm-hmm. because they've experienced things outside of the realm of mm-hmm. gaming, right? Yeah. And so that that's why like there's this it's it's going more mainstream. Yeah. But the good thing about gaming becoming more mainstream is that the toxic behaviors are kind of dissipating. Yeah, so to clarify what Rusty means by toxic communities, um, we kind of touched it earlier on with the Overwatch, but say you're playing Overwatch or Call of Duty, you get into the public lobby, you have a mic, and kids are just talking mad shit, right? <laughs> it's just like, there's like a meme where like, you know, you never experience like survival until you've been through like an Xbox lo- like COD lobby or something. Because yeah. those guys are brutal. Like yeah. We've all been through it. If, if you do something good or you do something bad, it's just like mad shit talk. Like that's all it is. But with Fortnite, we see an increase in people being a little more kind to each other, which is really interesting because it's still an online platform where you could hide behind a screen and talk shit if you want to. But yeah. people like either choose not to or, or respect that this community isn't for a toxic environment. Right. And I think that is in partially due to the fact that a lot of these streamers are promoting that. Yeah. Not just for them, but because they know like Ninja. Like they're promoting good behavior. Yeah. Because if you do have a family-friendly persona as a streamer, and you show your fans we should all be nice to each other, you do get more views, you do get more subscribers, you do get more money. Right. And that's why Ninja switched to a family-friendly channel. Right. You know, it's like, but that, like, that's a whole different topic. But because he did that, it's showing people that, like, and all their streamers, it's, it shows a really good role model saying that if we show our viewers how to be nice to each other and we create this community, because I truly do believe that this non-toxic environment was created from all these streamers and all these other players realizing that, like, 
let's start this game off right. Let's yeah. not be toxic. They set the ground rules. They set the ground rules. Yeah, everyone looks up to Ninja, to Dr. Lupo, to all these guys, to Nick Merckx. And like, I mean, Nick Merckx still cusses a lot. Um, but th- they kind of s- set the tone in terms of what the community should be like. Right. And I don't know if it's like a money, money motivator where like Ninja's trying to get more viewers that way. Um, or just the fact that this game is just trying to be more all-inclusive. It, it, there's so many different variables, but I would say that it's the players. Right. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And all right, new topic, uh, we're going to be discussing the sponsor recap. I want to breeze through this really quickly um, just because I really want to get to Super League's IPL. But basically, here's some sponsorships that happened in Q4 2018. Um, really shows like esports business potential. So we have Mountain Dew, who released a new version of its Game Fuel beverage. We talked about this in the last podcast, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> so we can talk about that and how hilariously named it is. Um, and then Coca-Cola sponsored um, a Super Smash Bros. tournament, which was pretty cool. Uh, Red Bull sponsored 100 Thieves. Um, and then they also sponsored a Danish Counter-Strike team. Um, Monster Energy continues to be sponsoring different leagues and games like Dota 2. Um and then a coffee company from coffee. Nestle sponsored Shroud. Uh, and then you got apparel brands like We Are Nations becoming like a merch partner for Riot Games. Um, and then they're actually owned. They, like the people that work at We Are Nations are previous Optic Gaming mm-hmm. uh, employees, but they added Optic Gaming and Method to its wide roster of team merchandising partners. So yes, um, so, so you're listing all these. What's the importance? So we all we know they're like non-endemic brands, which means that they're brands that aren't endemic to the space, aka they belong in the esports industry. So like Coca-Cola, obviously, is a drink company that's trying to get involved in esports. What's the importance in seeing companies like that who have been esports in a while and are continually making efforts to be in the industry? Well, it just goes to show that it's, it's showtime. It's getting real. Brands mm-hmm. see the eyeballs. Like the example we gave in the last podcast, how it was absurd to us that Call of Duty World League had more viewers than mm-hmm. like certain TV shows that have mm-hmm. better sponsors, yeah. right? But people are starting to learn that this is where Gen Z and millennials are spending yeah. their time and money. Yeah. Um, so they want to capture them. The last sponsorship thing that I wanted to mention, because there's a bunch of these, is just that Champion, and that's the partnership with Play Versus. Mm. So Champion's going to be providing the jersey and apparel for okay. Play Versus, which is yeah. like a high school league. Um, yeah, just just one, one question. So you, you listed... Uh, I think apparel and and drink sponsors. What other space do you see sponsors coming in towards? I mean, like this has already happened before. Geico, Geico, like car insurance, which is unexpected because if you're targeting that demographic of kids, it's a little rare to go for an insurance type aspect. Well, here's the thing: you even have Rocket Mortgage sponsoring. That's true, and I I remember that. Yeah, because I remember thinking that it's kind of weird to see to try to target this demographic because they're not looking into. And I think we had a discussion into any mortgages anytime soon, right? Unless their parents ask them, yo, we need help. Right. After a 13-year-old kid, yo, which one should we get? Right. Rocket but mortgage, because Nate shot. Exactly. It's literally like, for me, I'm like, yo, if I ever get into that system of having to purchase whatever the fuck I need to purchase, like, I'm going to look into Rocket Mortgage first because I don't know any other brands. I only know that brand because I'm in gaming, yeah. you know? I'm just super interested in terms of like what the conversion is like. Like I don't know any other social platform. I mean, What's the, is it like that long-term of a play? If we really dive into it, yeah. Rocket Mortgage is owned by Dan Gilbert, who's an uh-huh. investor in 100 Thieves. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, like collusion. Not collusion, but you get what I'm saying. Gotcha, like, gotcha. It wasn't like, 
an insurance company contacted an esports team. Yeah. But Geico has done that. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's just an example. But let's move on to Super League's IPO because this shit absolutely fucking blows my mind. Um, I'm not trying to step on any toes here because we know people at Super League, but I'm honestly fucking bamboozled. So explain, explain what, what Super League is. Well, what is their business model? What do they do? Super League is like the AYSO of esports. They rent out movie theaters and they let kids play in a league that they've designed, which is like amateur League of Legends, like across multiple cities. That's like the core model. Um, and they've decided to file for an IPO. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I'm like fucking bamboozled, bro. Like, I don't even understand. If you look at their financial uh, statements, um, the revenue that they are reporting here is below a million dollar run rate, mm-hmm. and they're asking for $25 million. Mm. So that's my first what the fuck. Um, my second, well, I think that the reason that they're in this situation is because they've raised a million rounds. They went from like C to series D or whatever. And now they're here and, and they still need more money. So I think that this is the only way that they can get more money. Yeah. Um, but you look at the financial statement and it's like, okay, let's see, like I'm scrolling through this thing. Um, let's see. Should be right up here. Okay. Are you looking at the income statement? Yeah, I'm looking at the income statement. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, like, they reported... Okay, here we go. So, um, for 2017, they reported... Okay, well, let's go to 2016. They reported um, $269,000 in revenue. And then they're, like... They were in debt. They had a net loss of $12 million. Then in 2017, they reported $200,000 of revenue, so less than 2016, and they're $14.9 million uh, net loss. Mm -hmm. But for 2018, the last like nine or six months or whatever, they reported $630,000 in revenue. Hmm. So they're growing. They're growing, yeah. Right, and and they're making money, but still uh, a net loss of $13 million. So that was good, right? I was like, okay, they're making money. So maybe like there's, this is like indication of growth, but then you dive into how they're making their money. And this is my second, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So they have two different revenue streams. They only have two revenue streams, which is like my third, what the fuck? One is subscribers. So people pay a monthly membership to like get access to the league and like play and have access to this tech platform that they have. Um, and then they make money off sponsorships. I'm sure there's like really ancillary revenue streams, but they're not showing it here because probably not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's $600,000, that $400,000 jump in revenue came from sponsorships. Hmm. Yeah, we're, we're just talking about how sponsors are such a big play in this industry now, but is, is that a bad sign for them? I think it's a bad sign because that's not sustainable. They have to keep selling sponsorships and it's like, a fixed growth, mm-hmm. right? It's not like something that just exponentially grows like subscribers could. Mm-hmm. It's truly just based on, can you sell 10 sponsorships this year as opposed to the five that you sold mm-hmm. last year? Can you get more money for what you're doing? Yeah. And the only way you can get more money is if your subscribers are growing. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm just super passionate about no, no, the situation. It, it all makes sense. I, th- I think there's like, of course this, this is us looking from the outside. Right. Um, 
trying to trying to understand what they're doing, and we obviously won't be able to know the details. This is just based off their public financial um, posts. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really interesting because that number of financial, because looking at the revenue, it is inflated pretty much by the sponsors. And Rusty is very correct in that you need to see growth within the subscribers rather than the actual sponsors. Yeah. Um, so it is it is like a whole back and forth issue. Because if you do raise more money from sponsors, they might have a shit ton of plans that allow them to grow their subscribers, obviously, sure. is what they're using their cash for. Um, and they just have convinced people that this is their plan and this will work. You know, right. like, I think you mentioned, um, do, uh, like, I guess they're not trying to spread too fast because they're already in 20 venues, correct? Okay, so I mentioned to this you this over text. In, mm-hmm. in 2016... They decided that for 2017, they were going to take a different approach. And that's when they started looking for sponsors. Mm. In 2016, they made $269,000. Mm. Um, in 2017, they made 201000 So they made less money. But in 2017, that's when they shifted their strategy to look for sponsors. Mm. So it went from making $269,000 in subscriptions to $87,000 in subscriptions. Mm. So why did subscribers go down? The reason that subscribers went down was because they needed, they wanted to focus on making money off partnerships. In order to do that, they had to lower the amount of venues that they were in to like create a more premium experience for smaller groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in turn, that would like grow their brand, right? Yeah. So people would, there'd be people, more people would be fucking with their brand so they could yeah. get better partnerships, right? Yeah. So they lowered the focus on reaching a lot of people to just having a really engaged Audience, audience, yeah. So they could get partnerships, um, and then they thought that in like I'm guessing this whole strategy is so that now that they have a strong brand, they can get way more subscribers. But it just it just doesn't really make sense. Like they were making a lot of money off members, like that mm-hmm. could have been a very traditional growth path. Yeah, no, I'm very <clears> curious <throat> to see how this goes because um, there's a lot of things that we we don't see. This is just the information we have, and I think. The more companies that are able to give us, or not give us, but like do these IPOs and, and show us like what the path is like for an esports startup, and I think that's that's very valuable for anyone. You know, it's such like they're basically going to uncharted waters. It's like a lot of the companies that are going to IPO. It's like yeah, there's it's so it's so I wouldn't say rare, but but it's, it just, it's a very beginning emergence to see that. Now we get to see what this pathway and these companies will shape what the future will look like within esports company. I could be wrong, but the vibe that I get from this IPO is like they need money and this was mm-hmm. the only thing that they could do. But the problem with this is like it could leave a bad mark on the whole industry just because of like one business's unfortunate That's true. situations. Yeah. You know? They definitely are the I wouldn't say pioneers, but because they are again going to uncharted territories. It shows us the path, but it also defines what this path could look like. This kind of reminds me of what's happening in AR right now. Like a lot mm-hmm. of companies that were pioneers in 2016 are like shuttering their doors or making weird decisions like this. Mm-hmm. And they're leaving bad residue on the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'm sure that this, like this happens across multiple industries at multiple time periods. Mm. Um, but I wanted to, again, like, cause I spent like two hours studying this whole thing. I looked into their 2017 subscription revenue. Remember I said it was $87,000. Mm-hmm. So let's assume like all their subscribers pay $5 a month. That's yeah. the fee that they charge. Okay. So let's assume that that's $60 a year. So you take that 87 K you divide it by 60. 
um, and it comes out to like 1,458 paid subscribers. Mm-hmm. So they had 1,458 members in t- 2017. Um, but then they reported that they had 43,000 accounts signed up on their platform. So their platform is online and offline. Okay. That means that they were able to convert 0.03% of their customer base into paid customers. Hmm. That's across 20 venues or 250 experiences that they had that year. Yeah. Um, but they also state that participants, meaning people that like from their registered customers, people that competed were 20,000. Um, so that's point oh set. If you take the 20,000 and you divide it by the 1458 of mm-hmm. paid customers, that means that point oh seven percent of their engaged customers are paid customers. Gotcha. So I'm like, okay, you focused on partnerships, but that's not your main business model. That's not your main, that should not be your main revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to go public. There's a disconnect there. Um, anyway, that's my perspective. I could be completely fucking wrong about this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what this podcast is about. Yeah. It's, it's just very much through the lens of what <coughs> we, we, we observe and just filtering it to you guys. Just from young entrepreneurs who are trying to just learn about the space and, and make something out of it. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's really interesting and I'm just super excited to see with, with everything else that we discussed how it pans out in 2019 given that it's the, the first week of, of January. Yes, um, sir. It's, it's a fresh start for everyone. Um, I think this is going to be a massive year for esports. Like like everyone's been saying since 2018, 2019 is going to be a really big year for esports. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just like, Everything from the empowerment of female gamers to more sponsorships that we're going to see, um, to different game publishers doing different things in the space, to different communities getting together, um, to more IPOs, hopefully. Yes, sir. Yo, if you like the Hype Geek podcast, leave us a subscribe, share it to your friends. It really helps us grow. Mm-hmm. DM us on Instagram at E-Coliseum TV. Yeah, DM us topics. We need more e- topics. I think we, we talk a lot about a ton of different random things, but tell us what you like to hear. Like, what do you like about this podcast? Yeah, and what screenshot it, post it on your story, mm-hmm. uh, tag us. E-Coliseum yeah. spelled E-C-O-L-I-S-E-U-M TV. Um, and if you are a follower of E-Coliseum, stay tuned because the shit that we got coming for 2019, I'm literally so excited. It's crazy. Yeah. We'll, we'll start talking more on our own personal stories. Right now, we're just testing out the wires with this podcast and just giving you guys information and our thoughts. But, but be sure to stay tuned because we're really excited to share our experiences, our stories, and what we have coming up. All righty. Peace, folks. Thank you. Peace.